The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey everybody, welcome to the winemakers. I'm John Myers. I'm here today with Brian Casey and Bart Hansen. Bart's back in the house. Bart is back in the house, and so I hope you had a good time. Up did, and, did. Up at uh, Seattle. Thank you for the pour. There. <laughs> we got a ching ching. And uh, uh, Sam is on special assignment this week. So we've got the, the trio. And uh, anyway, how is it looking in the field? It's going crazy weather-wise out here in Sonoma, California, where we're broadcasting from. But what's the... Man, the crops are waving at me when I go by. Yeah, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of action in the in the vineyard right now uh you know most everybody's done with their shoot positioning and have done their initial um dropping of leaves and and making sure everything looks good um if uh sam was here we would talk about how no bunches uh, touch each other and um, are all perfectly situated with dappled light and that's not quite (laughs) the way yeah it's not quite the way he said hanging with integrity in in dappled dappled sunlight yeah um, uh, so most of that work has been done, although I can tell you at Lassiter where my day job is, uh, the crews are still out there working, uh, for the most part every day. Um, and you know, we've had a, another heat spike here, um, or a, a, another, you know, several days over a hundred degrees. That's a heat spike and yeah. it's been a long one. It, it mean, has. Still it has. again today, it's going to be over 90. Yeah. And I got my car the other day. It said 117 degrees. I saw that. You posted that. <laughs> and I, I didn't know if you maybe you had gone to Arizona or something. No, but it's. It, I yeah, think that's what you, happens you, you when you to, sit in the parking lot, yeah, you know, you know the asphalt or yeah, something. Yeah. Something I mean, like you know, that. You know, remember that thermometer on your car is probably on something metal. <laughs> Boy, 117 degrees is ridiculous, but 106 outside is, is you know, also ridiculous. Yeah, it, is. So. it is. So what happens to the plants when it gets that hot? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. There was a picture I saw on Instagram. I believe it was Morgan Peterson uh, plant uh, posted that was a vineyard that he farms out in uh, Contra Costa County. And on one of those heat, um, days th- they lost a portion of their harvest um, Ew, to it. Not just good. fried the grapes. Um, I, I haven't been out um, wow. in. Uh, I haven't been out since earlier, early last week. In our vineyards, they were all weathering pretty well. Um, we're going to go out on Wednesday and take a look. Um, but you know, hopefully everything's still. You know, I'm sure there's going to be places that have had problems. Um, oh, I'm sure we, there. we're going to hear about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, so, as soon as people start assessing right. the damage. but right. uh, and, and then we'll see what goes on going forward. I'm having trouble just keeping plants alive now. <laughs> you know, I, I took advantage of it when I had a chance and put cactus in and succulents, things like that, when we had the drought a few years ago and it was really bad. So it's not quite as bad for me around here. But, you know, I bought a new plant the other day and I was like, trying to water it every day it's a little with a little bottle so anyway our house we're almost all 
succulents and aloe veras. Well, and that's what you have to do. Yeah. So I decided anything that dies is being replaced by something that's permanent and takes no water. Yeah. So when you guys are on this side, so I'm on the other side. I'm in Roner Park, which is on the other side of Sonoma Mountain, and it is drastically cooler over there. It's amazing when I, because I work here in Sonoma, I'll get in the car have the ac on and you know i i leave the house get in the car and think oh it's kind of hot and i've got the ac on and then i get out of the car at work and it just it hits you like a wall i mean it's It's 10 to 15 (laughs) degrees hotter and the same thing at night when i drive home i can leave here and i've got the windows down and right as you're kind of passing the dumps and you're coming into you know the the northern Petaluma. It just the, the, you can feel it. The wind coming through the windows is is ten degrees cooler, and you can just watch it on your dashboard go from eighty five to seventy five to coastal, seventy. Our coastal influence. Oh, and thank God for well, it. Well, that's I'm, a but, good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it's it's really is awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, it it kind of whispered over today, but it pulled back very quickly, so it's still going to be hot again. But yeah. from my house, I can see it coming through. Uh, you know the quote unquote that gap the fog coming right. through it's awesome right. when that those days are there oh it's you know look you have to have a mix and you know i mean if if we don't have good growing weather oh what the hell it's mother nature right and you can't fight it i mean you do have bad years we're not france we've and they've suffered a couple of big hits yeah. and um you know what uh, by the way i have to ask you um Speaking of France, I had to I seriously bolt uh, after our last podcast. I really had to run out. Oh, you what had you had a, another you, thing to do. I right. had another radio show to do. <laughs> right. So, um, what did you do with the fifty-five Saturn? Oh, I left it there at uh, at, at the tasting room at sixteen six hundred. <laughs> so I, I, cause I remember. I, um, yeah, I went in and tasted it. You did. You guys recorded on Saturday. I went in on Tuesday and tasted and it. Was it. still there? Yeah, it was still there. It was still alive. and Very um, cognac. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Or um, Yeah. Well, just, I know Sam said that he had a, a what do you call it, a, a bridal shower or coming in. that It was like a group of eight ladies or something. So I thought, well, perfect for them at the end of their tasting. Give them a little something sweet uh-huh. um, on a nice hot day. So uh, Joan and I uh, had an O2 cab from Gunlock, and it was so bad that we just, it's cooking wine, if that. Um, I mean, I just... Now, is this... Now, no, now, this is not a good thing. Let's be fair, though. Is this... Storage? Is this, do you think the... Right, I'm thinking no, it... I'm not. You don't well, think this is a storage I, I issue? I bought it here, and, you know, I bought it as something special, and boy, was it bad. I mean, it was... Huh. You know, it was it was as cognac as you can get. And it's just, it was not so much that it was tainted. It was just, it just did not age. Now, well, what did the cork look like? Did it have any seepage up, up through the... Not really. No. It, it, it appeared to be okay, but boy, it certainly didn't work. I'll huh. tell you that. But nonetheless, I mean, that's, you know, and, and, and I've been going to Gun Bun for years and years and years and years. But, yeah, I, you know, I, it's, I can't trash them for one bottle. Well, of course not. And, you know, that's the thing about our business is that you have to uh, be aware that it is a living organism and you know it's different from bottle to bottle even though it's not 
right? I mean, each bottle is right. under different conditions. Well, hopefully, you know, right? I don't want it laboratory made. We we got into that last week when you went. Oh there. yeah, no, I, I <laughs> mean, we, you guys want to go down that fake you wanna, wine? You, you want to go down that? <laughs> no, with me. <laughs> yeah, actually. I have serious, serious, serious issues with all of that. Well, and uh, those guys at Ava, well, that was ABA, the ABA, yeah, ABA, right. and yeah. and they. I were, mean, just the name alone is. I know, I'm kind of disappointed that Bart sad. wasn't there last week. Um, because I w- look forward to his uh, response to the whole situation. His but, rant? Um, I'd like well, to hear that, though. Well, well you know, here they're taking... I, mean, I, I don't have the article with me, but they're really just taking all chemicals and trying to make something that approaches a wine-flavored drink. Yeah, I mean, it's just like... It's no different than, I guess, the wine cooler rage, which is actually made out of, you know, beer, Right. You know, I, most I used to love coolers. wine coolers. Right, but they they weren't made out of wine. They were made out of Bartles you know, and James. That wasn't wine. Maybe in the beginning. Oh yeah, well you know, I'm, I'm that really old. Bad that in the beginning. You know, but but no, that really wasn't it. Okay. Um, yeah, I just have a hard time with something that's you know manufactured. That's well, I mean, I, I, supposed to be natural. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> I don't get the what's the point. It's not like there's a shortage of grapes and a shortage of people that know how to make wine or that are passionate about making wine or that, you I, know, will just do it if you tell them to do it. I think it's just curiosity. I think it's people really want to see if they can do something and they they venture out. And, and especially if you get someone that's going to financially back you to do it. And um, It's because they can. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's yeah. it. Try it. But, hey, it's not going to work. Uh, uh, Hey, for I the mean, masses, I, I understand I mean, that. Well, for the masses, you've already got Gallo. You have, well, and for the masses, and for for, um, for both of you guys, you were both interested in this 40-ounce bottle of rosé. <laughs> yes. uh, big trend for 2017. Yeah. Um, now, it's you said it's available, not around here, but... No, I've seen there. there's some places in California. Bart was saying that he knows where he might possibly be able to get some. I think I could order some through the restaurant. But I just saw the, the Instagram post maybe a month or two ago and, and saw that they did 40-ounce um, bottles of rosé. Yeah, I just, so, so the, the back story is that, and, and I could look it all up, but, but I, I'm not going to do it while we're talking, is there's a psalm in New York City who's, um, you know, very well known, has quite a following online and I guess, you know, among his customers. And he went over to uh, Languedoc, I think, and sourced some rosé, had it bottled in 40-ounce growlers, for lack of a better word. I mean, it it looks (laughs) just like a a um, 40-ounce Miller High Life bottle. It's what you want to put put in Old English. Something you put in a paper And and it's a rosé. And then he does the same thing with... um, uh, um, a muscat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, it's all the rage if, you know, I th- with I the actually, cool kids. I, I think it's cool. You know, I, 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 I have no problem with rosé in cans. Um, truth be told, and, and Sonder doesn't actually know this, but when I used to do the blend for the girl in the fig, I asked Doug Marjoram <laughs> last <what>? year, <laughs> I, I, when I talked about, hey, can you send me the samples? I want to start putting the blend together. And I said, can you look into canning some of the rosé, because I thought, especially in Sonoma, where you can go to the park and you can drink in the park or, you know, here in California and go to the beach instead of lugging around a, a glass bottle or out by the pool, I think is a really cool thing, too. Um, and he looked into it for me and he said, you know, for the amount you guys are doing, you'd have to do a lot higher production to actually make it cost effective. 
Um, but I think part of it is that, you know, now there's a mobile canning lines around. Oh, interesting. So I don't think that part is I think it was as the much labeling of an issue, process but too it's a was, labeling process. Right. You know, you need a full wrap label um, on those right. cans and there's probably some cost involved with that. Right. Um, but I thought it would be unique to have a little six pack of uh, Girl in the Fig Rosé cans there you go you could uh, that's perfect with you Uh, it's interesting this article from food and wine magazine that says on top of this all and an instagram earlier this week new york city's discovery wines is selling bottles for just 16 bucks since a normal bottle of wine is just over 26 ounces that's a similar value to buying a 750 regular bottle of French rose for just about 10 bucks, yeah. which is just fine. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting format. And, hey, well, uh, it's a screw cap and, and it's rose. It's something you want to drink fresh. So, and, um, and fast, you know, I yeah. mean, everybody now has come back to me with, with the term patio pounder. They love patio that. pounder. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, that, and we used to have a thing called chuggability factor and we would, some of the wines by the glass, you know, especially in the summer, you want a high chuggability factor. So, you, you know, you'd rate them one to 10, anything you could get that was a eight, nine or 10 in the chuggability factor was, a, go. was a good wine to pour yeah, by the absolutely. glass. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I started out, I wanted to compare the 2014 and the 2012 field blends, uh, ended up getting the Grenache instead of uh, the Uber blend 2014. This is 2012 that I have. I was going to bring 14 and just compare them. But it's interesting that Peter Mathis has done, uh, and this is just his field blend, and you guys know him. Man, Peter makes great wines. Uh, 25% Grenache, 51% Petite Syrah, uh, Carrion 13, and Alicante Boucher 11. And so I want you guys to taste that because it's an absolutely beautiful bottle of wine. And the guy's really doing a great job on it. And now he's got his 14 out. So it'll be right. available uh, almost. I think uh, this is just out of my uh, storage. So well, I'm assuming I, with over 50% Petit Syrah, and then you've also got some Alicambouche, I can tell by the color. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dark daddy right there. Ah, yeah. you know, dark and powerful. You know yeah. that I like it, yes. It's right. the <laughs> Baltimore to wine. And then, the, you know, the um, uh, Peter's also, I saw, a, a, did a Barbera this year. And yes. uh, the Barbera was from... Um, Sarah's? No, it was n- no. It's Bedrock. It's from it? Bedrock, oh. and you know Peter worked with Joel all those years. The Ravenswood, of course. Okay. So on the back, where here he says, uh, uh, "I grow it, I make it." On that, he wrote. Joel, Joel grows it, I make it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, you know, after working at Ravenswood, and Ravenswood defines Zen. I mean, we've got Zen Expo coming up for the next, God knows how many weeks. Uh, you know, and it's actually, I'm looking forward Good for the to, hot weather. I'm, yeah, right. I'm waiting, <laughs> I'm waiting for the one in January down in uh, Pier 27. Now that sounds good. That Cold weather is in, a beautiful yeah. place, and it's right on the Embarcadero. It's easy to park, it's easy to go to the ferry building, mess around, just have a great time. So, I mean, that's their big show. Right. And you uh, know, I, so uh, I Carol Shelton on tomorrow. I so. had like a 24 year run at pouring at that every year. And what happened? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I started making my own wine, there was a couple of years where I didn't have enough zin to sell to justify what it cost to pour right, it. There, right. you know? I mean, that's the problem for a real small guy. Is that? You well, know, didn't were you just at uh, San Francisco Chronicle wine competition? Yeah, that was. Did you, you know, submit some months ago? 
Um, no, just recently. This wasn't it. This month. No, were... this this month was the San Francisco International International Wine Competition, oh, okay. and so okay. that's Anthony Dias Blue. Oh, um, no, his I saw publications. The Chris was there. Yeah, and I did not submit there this year. We've submitted in the past and done very well this year. Mm-hmm. Nothing new to submit for them. Okay, I did just get a notification that we got a gold at the sunset. Nice um, for wine competition for the basically sold out 2012 <laughs> Cabernet. Oh wow, the John one, the John, John drank I, it all. The ones that I stashed. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, they are so far back in the in the back. You you, th- you can't see them. They're out of out of sight, out of mind. I don't think we're quite ready to buy them back from you yet, John. But no, there may okay. take uh, there may be a time if, if you need one. <laughs> they're there for you. Uh, I'll tell you. Hey. Uh, Interesting article in Wine Enthusiast magazine talking about hand-picked grapes versus machine-picked French grapes. French Chardonnay. What are we doing here? What are you guys uh, opening here? Wow, interesting. Sorry, we're... No, I'm, no, I'm no. trying to... Do, Bart you, had a, a bottle of wine that we were drinking, and I was trying to decipher what it is, and it tastes to me French just because it's got some mineral uh, characteristics to it, but it's a Chenin Blanc from... Um, Maya? Sandlance, yeah. So Ker- Kirchman Vineyard is... Vineyard that Tegan Pasolacqua and family purchased in Lodi, and it's for his brand called Sandlands. Yeah, and you know his these these he makes wine. Some of the vineyards are from these vineyards that like virtually grow on mm. sand, and when you look at what that sand is, it's decomposed granite. Oh, we we uh, were wondering about that. It's, yeah. That's where it gets real white looking. And, and, and so this is, chalky. yeah. And so this is up in Lodi, kind of, you know, not where all the dairies are in Lodi when you drive through on Highway 12, but getting up into the, you know, the, mm. the first part of the foothills, I believe. Um, and uh, it's nice wine. Yeah, it's got some, definitely got some acid and some minerality. It does, and it. I like yeah. that about yeah. it. Yeah. And it, it's not overly oaky at all. All no, no. if there's any, is this a, uh, a stainless? You think? I, I'm not sure. I've never talked to him about the winemaking, uh, at least not on this vintage. Um, I think a couple of his wines, or one of the years, I know he put it through ML, um, which again, when it has as much acid as this, um, it would stand up nice to it and still give it a nice richness. But a- it's a M- beautiful wine. ML define that. Uh, malactic fermentation. Okay. Um, and that means so malolactic fermentation is uh, as it was explained to me when I first started, and I still think it's one of the best examples of it. Is there's a lot of malic acid in uh, wine grapes, and when you think of malic acid, you think of like a pippin apple, you know, really really tart, tart. green apple. Okay. Um, and there's a it's called a fermentation, but it's really, I don't know that it's actually fermentation where it converts all the malic acid into lactic acid. And lactic acid is, of course, what we find in milk and cream. And that's the creaminess, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, all red wines go through ML or malolactic. It's just a process that goes through. It does change the wine. It helps make it a little softer. Not all white wines do. And um, Chardonnays is the trend is to, well, the trend was always to be ML positive. Um, it's gotten away from that now because people are trying to make something that's just not overly creamy and overly oaky. Yeah, that's, well, everybody's trying to change. They're trying to get away from what they were. Right. Um, and that's interesting, you know, because we're demystifying wine. And the one, the one thing I get um, 
on emails and texts is, will you guys explain this? Because I really don't understand what you're talking about. You know, whether it's head trained or whether it's, uh, you know, what you're doing when you're you know, taking care of the canopy and how you're doing. It's just there's a lot that we talk about that people just don't know. And that's why it's fascinating to me. You know, I have to learn myself, and it's taken a long time. So, Well, you know, this is a cool time of year, I think, for maybe for Bart to take you and I. I don't know that Sam would necessarily be interested, tour? but uh, maybe do a vineyard walk and uh, have Bart kind of show well, us some. No, no, no see, I would, I would change that. I would go. say we'd have Sam take the three of us on a vineyard walk. We could do that. And, you know, I can put in my two bits from my view, but, <laughs> yeah. I mean... Realistically, um, your place is beautiful. Well, the, it, the Lassiter's place is beautiful. Right, I don't right. theoretically have a place. <laughs> it is, but yes, it, it is, is a beautiful, it is beautiful spot on, it on, is. on this earth. I can tell you that. And some of Sam's are pretty steep. Uh, I took some old folks up to some very senior citizens. I'm oh, no. in their late seventies, early eighties. Oh wow! Up to Sam's, it was it was tough. Did you go to Muchas Piedras? His place. Oh, uh, yes. up at the top yes. of uh, yeah. First Street. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that can be. Well, well, Sam did it with a broken leg. Yes, for the most did. part. So <laughs> that's. I gotta admire the guy, man. He did four Grateful Dead concerts and five nights with that bad leg, yeah. and uh, it's absolutely amazing that he, he was did medicated. It. Speaking <laughs> of, well, I'm sure he was medically, <laughs> and uh, and just having fun. Um, did I mean, you, it's amazing you what see, you can do when you're on vacation. Absolutely. It's, you know. <laughs> did you see his text last night about somebody? Yes. Somebody yes. from Shanghai was in town and said, hey, we heard your show in Shanghai. Listen to it. We're here on vacation. Hope it's not too late. Can we get in and can we buy some wine? So, I mean, right. we're... So they're, they're going to be there today at 1.00. Um, I've been in contact with the guy cause he wanted to come taste my wines also, but I, I wasn't available <laughs> hey, to it. So, I mean, you know, I gotta say it's pretty satisfying when Isn't people reach nice? out like that. So I, you know, please, you know, if you have questions, if you want to communicate, uh, it's, it's, it's can awesome. I, can it's I give awesome. a shout out to, uh, people in Shanghai? Hello from Sonoma. Come see us. <laughs> yes, please come see We're us. happy to open up and, and we'll open up a, uh, a bottle for you. And, uh, and have a good time. Well, anyway, I thought that was really great. Um, now, that's the second direct response somebody else had. Hey, I just heard your show and uh, came on. So I'm, I'm real happy. And, you know, with 11 shows, geez, man, we're getting great, absolutely great uh, listenership. So, okay. Well, I think I've been liking the shows. You know, the um, I think we had fun. Uh, Especially on the last show, I know Bart wasn't there, but when we when we kind of veer off course, <laughs> well, um, and we can do that. It's okay right. because people are enjoying it, and it's yeah. it's look. If you if you like our taste in wine, you're going to like our taste in conversation, and you're going to like our taste in in when we veer off. Believe me. So <laughs> <laughs> we're taking some uh, we're taking some left hand turns there. Oh, that's okay. People. Oh, I people, know. I was listening. People <laughs> do taking notes. People do that, man. It's all okay. Yeah. So speaking of notes, uh, Bart, let's get into this because I know that you can talk to it. Are hand-picked grapes better than machine-picked grapes? Um, hand-tossed pizza doesn't really mean much or <coughs> hand-breaded chicken wings or whatever. But hand-picked grapes, 
does make a difference in in people's minds. Well, I, I think in people's minds and also in um, in the wine, uh, handpicked grapes uh, tend to make better wine. Now, that's not to say that uh, mechanically harvested grapes haven't. Well, it sounds a little brutal on the grape. Mechanically harvested. It 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 does, and and so to relate it to my career, when I first started back in the '80s at Kenwood, we used to get a large amount of mechanically harvested wine for the vintage red and vintage white program, which you know at the time was, I think the wines were four ninety nine a bottle, and they were they were very very nice wines, um, and they would come in mechanically harvested, and we would stand by the hopper as they would drop these five ton grapes of you know, basically it was already been crushed, right? <laughs> Putting it through the crusher was just a way to get it to the pump, to pump it to the tank. But what we would you do is we would buy the, just from be, me, being mechanically, from harvested. mechanically harvested, because right, if you think you of, it's you know, a, a, a thousand fingers going through and just beating the grapes off of well, and the just, stem. Just from weight, right? Because if you think about when people are, are hand picking and they're putting them in these little plastic bins, as opposed to, yeah, what are those weigh? Those They're about 35 pounds. 40 40 pounds. pounds. Okay. 35, 40 pounds. Um, but then you've got mechanical harvesting where you're putting in a truck where you've got all the weight of the grapes sitting on top of it. Right. I mean, you're already starting to press, Correct. right? Right. And then the other thing is the old mechanical harvesters, they couldn't tell if it was a grape or it was a bird's nest or if it was a bird. or um, a, right. and, and they were very rough. They'd break off vines, sprinkler heads. Um, nice. One time we had we found in the must line, which is the, the what the grapes travel through, <laughs> <I know>. um, <laughs> full of nails that you know whoever had put in this this trellising system had used nails that they vibrated out. Now if that gets to the press, that it really pops the, oh absolutely pop, pops it. bladder so yeah. the, the pops the bladder, so it could be a real problem. So but that was that was then, and then the other thing about. Mechanical harvests that's still true today is that they can't work on these hillsides where really the, you know, where where most of our really good grapes are grown. Correct. Correct. I mean, we've got a lot of valley floor. And, and but even some of those, you know, there's 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 slight grades that are up on benches, and those mechanically harvesters they just don't work that well there. And now down in Carneros, um, you know, the San Giacomos, very very high quality grape growers. Um, they've started to change to mechanical harvesters um, because of a couple reasons. One, trying to find people to pick, and then that's a big problem right now. Yeah, a big. And problem. then, and then yeah. two, because the quality has gotten better, and you know, you can have a crew of three or four guys um, as opposed to a crew of fifteen guys, and they right. can pick twice or three times as fast. Yeah, and the new mechanical harvesters have they're much more gentle. They have sorting um, tables on them with optical sorters, which, you know, kick out the things that you don't want. Do they work well? Oh, optical sorters work w amazingly well, like to the point of some people feel better, that maybe better than you better than you want. Why? Well, because how, how do they do that? Every, everything's well, it's all done with taking photos and computers and um, identifying uh, this is a whole nother conversation of, of That's optical okay. sorters. Um, but very quickly, I've not worked with them. I've seen them run. Um, the computer takes a photo of everything that's on the platform while it's moving past at a very high speed. 
and then determines what it is, which you've determined in the presets. And as it rolls off the table, there's a little air gun that pushes it out of the way if it's the wrong one. Interesting. But yeah. then, so let's say it pushes something off. You, then you get a chance to take a second look at it, right? If you say, yeah. oh, I pushed something off yeah. that, you know, by mistake, we can throw it back in. Correct. Okay. And, and, and you set the parameters with, like, how perfect you want it to be. Right. We, we can accept three birds. We don't want five. No, birds. no, no, no. Birds, <laughs> the, the, those don't, that doesn't happen anymore at all, okay. right? But, I mean, like, grapes that are raisins. I mean, right. optical sorting, you're getting to the point now where blueberries, the reason why blueberries look the way they look in a store is because they've all been optically sorted. Interesting. So now we're at the point now in wineries where that's what it looks like is blueberries coming off the... The destemmer. So it's just perfect little They're berries. They're just perfect little berries. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'll go buy ugly fruit. Um, you know, we bought peaches at Kenwood Farmer's Market yesterday. You know, the, the, the ugly ones and the ones that are ready to eat today. Um, and we came home, we ate peaches last night. But, you know, for a, a, a buck a pound versus, you know, three or four, that made a big difference for us. You know, uh, blueberries are another thing. But, hey, I, I want my fruit. Um, I want it correct. I don't want big mistakes in it. And, I, and I've seen a lot of stuff get through, and these are handpicked. I mean, we were we were watching them carry in huge buckets of strawberries from their fields. Now, I can't tell you out there, Kenwood. These guys are supposed to be organic, uh, and on their sign at the farmers market, they are in the certified organic section. It, I don't know about it their at their stand out out in Kenwood, but it's the same group, hmm. I think. So. Well, it's to say it's the same group is, I mean, it's all about the facility. You know, if things are CCOF, California Certified Organic, whatever the F stands for, farmed, farmed, um, then they're organic. That means they've you know paid the fees, had the inspections, and proved that they're organic. Um, or they could farm organically, right? Not to say, I mean, it doesn't mean they're not organic. It's just, it's the integrity of the person. But if it says CCOF, then it's been inspected. And that's, yes, but that's at their, where they sell retail, um, at the farmer's market. This is just a little stand where they're picking it. Well, I would think know. it's where right. they grow, but, right? But, but, but is that where they grow? Well, well, it's yeah. it's got to be. It's it, got to yeah. be where they That's grow. That's the point, John, yeah. is that the stand isn't organically right. certified. The the piece of ground it's at right. is certified. Perfect. Right? Well, I don't want, any, especially something that absorbs as much as a strawberry does, and a water and, and, and any pesticide or, or insecticide, et cetera, or fertilizer. It soaks so much of it up. That's one of the most dangerous fruits you can eat. You know, if you're if you're, you know, looking to avoid kind of raspberries, uh, strawberries, any uh, of those absorb so much. Well, because you're eating, I mean, like a banana, you're, you're not eating uh, the skin. Um, but I, ha I, were you saying that some of the fruit you got was blemished? You mean it had yes, like, okay, U ugly fruit. I don't Which, mind that at all. Okay, good. I thought I thought that's what you were saying, and I have I have sort of a I don't know if it's a moral or ethical issue with something that about stores that put out this fruit and you see people sort through it and I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing. You're kind of sorting through the fruit and you're picking the best stuff. And you know what happens to the stuff that you don't choose is gets, it gets tossed. Um, and I remember I was in the store last week and a couple of Anjou pears, I picked up a couple and they had, you know, slices in them and I had to make that conscious effort. I said to myself, okay, I'm going to take these home, 
even though they're not perfect, and just kind of cut around the little slice because I know it's going to happen to these things if I don't pick them up. Uh, right. Is they're they're going to go in the garbage. Um, and not even to a homeless shelter or something like that. Now, there are people, geez, Jenna and I saw, well, I guess we were in France. And we, it was, we had a late dinner, and there happened to be, uh, this was in Paris, uh, and a bakery stayed open late. And right as they were closing, a truck pulled up, and it was from, from a shelter or multiple shelters, picked up all the bread and everything that they didn't sell that day because it was going to be gone. Tossed, yeah, yeah. and so they gave it away. So I really think that's a good idea. So. Yeah, yeah. And organic fruit, um, a lot of times, doesn't look as pretty as some of that conventionally. No, um, you're right. It, stuff. It, it, so, it doesn't. Yeah, you and, just, and, and that's and the, funny. It it is. It's very much that way in fruits and vegetables. I would agree with you. It doesn't seem to be that way in grapes. It doesn't translate to. It doesn't uh, because yeah. you know if you walk out through an organically farmed, well, okay, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe it's just because I'm used to working with, you know, a very high-quality organic farmer. Right. But, and and have been, you know, through my career. But they all are perfect. I mean, that's why we don't have to sort a lot at the winery. But I think it's it been is, sorted out in the vineyard. That's true. But And I think in the vineyard, one of the, one of the goals is to have um, pests in the vineyard, but but also you know when, when you're talking about an orchard, is you want a, a well-rounded community of of pests and um, owls to you know you know you want a biodiversity. Correct. Um, but I think for growing the grapes, maybe there's something that you know it's not the same. You don't get a worm that is going after a well, cluster of grapes. Yeah. I mean, or, there's there's no doubt that um, that as far as the insect side of grape growing, it's pretty low impact. There's right. not a lot of issues like there are with apples or, or pears. You don't or find something in the middle of your grape. Yeah, right. that's exactly right. <laughs> right. You don't. And ha- and so therefore, it, it's it's that way. But but yeah, no, I mean, I, it's you buy organic fruit, you expect for it not to look as pretty as the, you know, you're, pumped up. You're in a very, very cool situation where you where you where your fruit arrives like that. I mean, yeah, well, you're I mean, lucky. We're, we're fortunate because at Lassiter... Um, we grow everything, and so it it's, doesn't have to get on a truck, as Brian was saying, and be trucked over from, you know, Dry Creek or from uh, Napa or, you know, for that matter, even Carneros. So it's it's all right there. Um, a lot of wineries have to have it trucked all over the place. You know, when I worked at Benziger, we got stuff as sa- far south as um, Bien Nacido in San, San Maria Valley. Um, we used to get fruit from I Oregon. Know, I don't know how it survives the trip. Well, it's again, it's you know, it's about what the grapes are and what the program is, and you know, the the those would be hand picked grapes in smaller containers, um, so therefore there wasn't as much weight. And yes, there'd still be some broken down, but you know, again, mechanically harvested, the integrity of the fruit when it gets to you two and a half hours later is much better than it is if it's already been harvested i'm mechanically harvested and it's already nothing but you know a fermentation already started the grapes have already been crushed right um when you have stuff coming from further away i think typically you're picking at night with lights so you can get stuff to the vineyard um oh yeah i mean let's face it the majority of the grapes that are grown in sonoma and Napa counties is not a state grown. So there's a lot of fruit that goes from, comes out of Alexander Valley and Dry Creek Valley that has to come to Sonoma. And there's fruit that's, you know, San Giacomo sell all over the place. And that fruit all gets delivered um, 
throughout the, the Northern California. And, and those are, again, very high-quality uh, you know, farmed vineyards and make incredible wine. So it can be done. It's all a matter. It, it comes down to this same thing. It's all a matter of what's the end product. You know, are you making a wine that is meant to be sold for $3.99, $7.99, $13.99, you know, again and again and again. And you that's that's how you start the conversation. And I think that's what what this article is basically touching on is is there a difference when you're talking about something that's when you when you know that it's hand sorted, aka handcrafted uh, small lot wine and they're they're out there with scissors. That's um, right. Which uh, Jamie Kutch, I know, is into that. He's out there. He specifically uses scissors because he likes the way he can remove the clusters. And and you're going to pay more for that wine as opposed to something that's um, mechanically harvested and they're and they're doing more tonnage. Um, and, well, and so, again, just real quick, too. So does it make a better wine? Who knows? Well, that's all subjective to right. what you think. Right. If we could go back to that age-old blind tasting, you know, where, you know, the two ninety nine bottle of wine that's you know, genetically altered, basically, right. um, beats the $125, you know, hands-off wine from Napa Valley. Well, and I think that was one of the things in this article is it said that, that they went to, a, uh, I don't know if it was a psalm or a wine expert, and they, they gave him uh, the same grapes. It was the same vineyard, same varietal. One was hand-harvested, and the other one was mechanically harvested. And they said... Pick which one you think is the best, and he picked the one that was uh, mechanically harvested. Well, that's okay. I mean, in yeah. some places now, there, in, in fact, in France, it says that there are AVAs uh, in some appellations. Hand picking is the law, right? And that's it. I mean, first of all, you're, you, you, we have such steep terrain around here. You can't. To go in, you know, yeah, Central Valley where they're going through, and all they're doing is shaking it off. It kind of uh, it starts getting like olive harvest, you know, kind of raking it off. Yeah, and, and again, remember, you know, there are areas in Russian River Valley. There's Carneros. There's, you know, the Valley Floor in Alexander Valley Floor and Dry Creek, and I mean, there's a million places where mechanically harvesting works and it makes sense. But there's some places where it just doesn't work. Um, and even if it would make sense, you just can't get the equipment in there. So well, that, that's the big thing, right? That, there. That's the big thing. It's like, you know, some of these roads that we get grapes off of uh, up in the mountains in Sonoma on both sides of the valley, you're hard pressed to get a big truck up there, let alone a mechanical harvest. Yeah. Yeah. Or just imagine picking those grapes and sitting at an angle like that trying to. Trying to no, get the clusters off of there no. and, and what that does to your feet <laughs> after about three hours. Yeah. Man, I have been in some uh, vineyards with Sam that it was literally hard for me to even stand up. Yeah. And, you know, if these guys are willing to work it and doing it, but right now, where do you get, you know, 120,000 laborers for three weeks to pick a crop and champagne? You're getting tougher and tougher. Yeah, it is. It's, isn't that amazing? I mean, how. One political concept now comes down to affecting us locally. Well, I think it's been happening actually for the last ten years. I don't think it's yeah. This is not a, this is not a new thing. It's not this current administration's fault. It's this has been going on. Really, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's always for a number of years, a decade plus, there's been an ongoing help problem in the United States. That's true. Um, 
you know, I think that goes across not just the wine industry, it goes across the restaurant industry. Um, you know, and, and the then whole the, Central Valley with uh, picking vegetables and fruit. That people, I think it's funny that they'll they'll attribute it to this administration, but it's been happening. Um, over the last 10 years and it's and, just and, harder and harder to get and then the other um, thing is there's, there's it's the generations are changing also you know the, yeah. the 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 guys that came here from Mexico or from s- south of the United States you know because there are many other countries yep um, where they come to to work here um, you know they've established themselves they live here in the United States their children have um, have grown up here and um, they don't necessarily follow their parents footsteps um, oh, no. Like I think, you know, so if many I'm a picker, people just my assume son's they do. not going to be picker. Yeah. Well, and the goal when you're a winery, and I think the Benzigers always had this goal too, is, is you want a, a year-round crew. So the goal was always not to have uh, migrant workers that came during crush right. and, you, and you hired them just for that period and then you don't know where they went for the rest of the year and then you prayed that they came back the following year. <laughs> the goal was always to have enough stuff for them to do throughout the entire year so that you could have an on-site staff a full crew all, all the, the time. time right and that um, and that was a shift that's a shift that happened i mean i can't speak to the 70s but i imagine the 70s were a little bit like the um, mid 80s when i started where the crews would be there you would have your full-time crew that would do your work and then during harvest, because your full-time crew was so small, during harvest you would depend on these migrant workers that came through to pick the grapes. And the way you would keep them for the entire season is that you would offer a big bonus at the end, but they had to stay to the very end. Um, and, you know, that that went away and wineries <clears throat> shifted more to having a little bit larger crew that could be busy all year round. It meant that you could actually keep up with the workload because with a small crew through the year round, you can't get to every vineyard at the perfect time. So no, you're you always can't. behind. So wineries you're in general chasing something. Right. Yeah. In general, I think getting full time crews that could do both, being more efficient, um, became just that, where you'd have full time crews Well, that's perfect. If you can get a full time crew and take care of everything, I mean this house needs a full-time crew. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, if I let it go, you know, I can tell just within a couple of weeks, man, do I need to clean the spiders off there? Boy, yeah. do I need to do this. Well, there's creative ways to do it, too. I know um, Peter Stoltman from Stoltman Vineyards down in uh, Ballard Canyon. They actually put out a wine, a specific wine every year that the proceeds go to um, housing um, and paying the salaries of their workers to stay there annually. Oh, that's incredible news. La Quadria, I think it's called. It's in a specific... Who are these go- guys? Uh, Stoltman, uh, one of my favorite winemakers, and Sashi Mormon. Where are down they? Down there in Paso, in uh, specifically in Ballard Canyon. Yeah, uh, it, that's actually Santa Barbara County. Santa Barbara, okay. Yeah. Which is on fire right now, unfortunately. Oh. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, he's been posting some photos on Facebook of... Uh, the smoke plumes behind his vineyard. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. It's it's big time in Santa Barbara. Well, not good. So, well, okay. Hey, uh, great show today, guys. Um, I, we didn't get to everything, but we've got the next one coming up. So, uh, appreciate everybody listening. And uh, for Sam Katuri, who is on assignment, I'll say thanks for listening. Shout out to and Sam Sa- and uh, everyone in Shanghai. <laughs> and uh, you get to uh, reap the benefit of that too also. 
So that's perfect. Yeah. So. Um, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Please uh, contact us alive. We, uh, we love uh, hearing back from you. Absolutely. So thanks, everybody, uh, for listening to The Winemakers. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you.